0: Woo. Hey, here's the deal. One cross, three days, changed everything. Amen. One cross, three days, changed everything for me and for you. Amen? Amen. And let's go change the world with Jesus Christ, right? Hey, next week we're going to start a new series called God Wins. And I just really, I invite you to come and join us in this series. I invite a friend to join us in this series. we'll, we'll, we'll. we'll We'll, we'll look at a lot of interesting issues that are going on in our world, but we'll look at them through the context of God's word so that we can be rooted and so that we can be who God has called us to be in some chaotic times. So I hope that you will come and join us for this series. Hey, this is good news. God wins. God has won. God is winning. God continues to win. God will win. God is... God wins. God wins. Okay. Let's, check in. Let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word this morning and open our eyes and our hearts to your truth. God, as we ask you every week, please pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. And so, Holy Spirit, we're asking you to begin to move in our hearts, begin to convict us of anything that's in us that's not of you. And we're asking you to purge it, fill us with your spirit, empower us be different than the world to be a light in the darkness to share your your love and your truth and your grace with everyone in our sphere of influence god so we're asking that you move in such a way in us that we will leave here a different person a god-transformed holy spirit filled person that you will use to make this world a more godly place to expand your kingdom here on earth In the mighty, powerful, life-changing name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask. Amen. Amen. All right, hero. When you hear the word hero, what images or thoughts come to your mind? What is it? what What is a hero anyway? Well, a hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage or for outstanding achievements or for noble qualities. We typically view heroes, and, and heroes are, are typically written about in, in stories as the strong, the, the smart, the attractive person who saves the day, gets the girl, and lives happily ever after. For whatever reason, Kristen's heroes, you don't know, Kristen, this is my smoking hot wife, so she's the prettiest one in the room, right, that one right there, huh Kristen's heroes always seem to look like that or that or that are you seeing a pattern here I just wanted to see if you're seeing a pattern here now when we look at heroes like that I think heroes are in the eyes of the beholder because I look at that and I see something like this I mean I see like I see I see like the the villain the devil incarnate are you guys with me this morning All right, how many guys out there are feeling me this morning? Yeah, I mean, are with me this morning, yeah? Mm, All right, all seriousness, though, all seriousness, though. Heroes, man, they save people, they rescue people, and therefore, we view heroes as having these these talents, these gifts, these special qualities that that most other people do not have. It makes sense, then, that, that the people who are looking for a hero are people who are suffering, people who may be oppressed, people who may be struggling, hurting, feeling like there's little hope or maybe no hope at all. Like, like many of the Jewish people who were living in the, in the New Testament times, for hundreds of years, they've been looking for a, 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 a new hero to, to, to help them as a nation, well, get back on, on top and, and, and it seems like that they feel like that they may have finally found their new hero in this fella, this, this teacher, this rabbi, by the by the name of Jesus. And as a result, we're told in John chapter 12, beginning of verse 12, we're told this, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, let me just take a pause there. This festival that John's talking about in the Gospel of John, it's the Passover festival. It's where Jewish people from all over the Middle East would come to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember God saving them from the Egyptians, they were slaves. God set them free from that slavery. And so they come to celebrate and remember. And, and it's estimated that well, at, at a minute, like 50,000, 50, maybe 100,000 people would come to this festival. And so when it says great crowd here, it could be possibly like 50,000 50, people heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. That is, they went out from the city to meet him before he got there. And they shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. What would cause about 50,000 people to believe that Jesus was their new king, their new hero, and then wave palm branches and shout, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. What would cause them to view Jesus this way? Well, maybe because they had seen, experienced, or heard about Jesus healing lepers. You, you know what leprosy is, right? It's like your, your, your body just rots until you die. Maybe because they, they think Jesus may be their hero because, because they had either seen, experienced, or heard about Jesus healing other people with every kind, any kind of sickness or disease. Maybe they thought Jesus was their hero because they had seen, experienced, or or heard Jesus actually restoring sight to the blind, making the lame, the crippled walk. Maybe because they had seen and experienced or heard about Jesus feeding 5,000 people with two loaves and five fish, and then 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few fish, Maybe because they had seen or, 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 or maybe experienced themselves or, or heard about Jesus casting out demons, man, giving people a fresh start in life emotionally. Maybe because they had seen or heard about Jesus raising people from the dead. In particular, Lazarus, who was dead for four days and now is, is, is walking amongst them. Some of them can actually, oh my goodness, this guy's alive. And get this: the writer of the Gospel of John John he, he, he says, "I only note some of the signs and miracles that Jesus did at the, near the end of the Gospel John he says there 's not enough books in the world that could hold all of the signs and miracles, a description of the signs and miracles that Jesus did. so put yourself in these people 's shoes. They, they may not have seen." heard or experienced just one miracle, but maybe they've seen or, or heard about two miracles, three miracles, four miracles, five miracles. This crowd, therefore, in their mind, there's no doubt that this Jesus is their new king, their new national liberator, their new hero. These people are excited, and they are pumped up on Jerusalem Street. This is what they had been waiting for for over 400 years. And so it's not surprising then that they view Jesus as their hero. And so to welcome their new hero, what do they do? Well, they go out. Before he gets to Jerusalem, they go out in front of the city gates to welcome him, which is what people did at that time to welcome home their triumphant, conquering warrior king. Not only do they go out to meet who they think is their new hero, but they also wave these palm branches which is a sign of which is a sign of Jewish nationalism, like our flag. You know, we troops come home, we're waving the flag. Jesus got they're waving the palms. They had stamped these the images of palm on their coins when when they when they rebelled against the, the Roman Empire on two different occasions. So not only do they go out to to welcome who they think is their new hero, wave these nationalistic palm branches, but they also shout at the top of their lungs Hosanna! Which means save us, because that's what heroes do. They save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. All of which words and actions declare their allegiance to who they think is their new king. Their new national liberator. Their new hero. They are ready to realize their dream of being on top again. Jesus, however, didn't come to restore their promised land. That's what they thought their new hero would do. He didn't come to restore the nation of Israel's prominence on the world scene. He didn't come like they were expecting to restore Israel's glory, to restore Israel's kingdom here on earth, to to free them from the Roman dogs, their oppressors. These Jewish people who were living in the New Testament times, they had, it seems like they, that many of them may have forgotten the words of the prophet Isaiah. They had forgotten how Isaiah had depicted God's future hero, and what God's future hero would come to do. Maybe we can't blame them, It's been a long time, like like over 600 years since Isaiah wrote these prophetic words. Maybe we can't blame them for forgetting forgetting that that Isaiah talked about their future hero, not as a warrior conquering king, but as a suffering servant. Or maybe the Jewish people just didn't want to think about their hero like that. Maybe we can't blame them for forgetting what their future, God's future hero was going to come to do which was, well, listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. And again, as you listen to these prophetic words, I want you to remember that they were said about 600 years before Jesus came onto the scene. See if you see any corollary between The hero in this story, the suffering servant in Jesus Christ. This is what we're told beginning in in, in Isaiah chapter 52, beginning at verse 13. Just watch my servant blossom. And so this future hero, and again, Isaiah is talking to the people of Israel before they're even taken into captivity by the Babylonian empire. He wants them to know that it's going to happen because you stop being indifferent to being different, right? So bad things are going to happen, but don't worry, God's... God's got your back in the future. Here's what's going to happen. He says this, just watch my servant blossom, exalted, tall, head and shoulders above the crowd. That's end game. But verse 14, he didn't begin that way. At first, everyone was appalled. He didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. Nations all over the world will be in awe, taken aback. Kings choked into silence, just like us when they see him. For what was unheard of, they'll see with their own eyes. What was unthinkable, they'll have right before them. Then continuing in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at verse 1. Who has believed our message? It's God's message here. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Who would have thought God's powerful arm, God's saving power, would look like this? Going back in time, verse 2, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Sure, he was a cute kid, but nothing to attract us to him. Then, fast forwarding, when this servant's a man, verse three, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. We actually thought he was scum, and we did not care. Not the description of the strong and attractive hero that we might expect or even want. He looks like one of the losers. How could a loser save, rescue people who are hurting, struggling, suffering? How could someone that looks like this save anyone from anything? Unless, of course, this is how he, God's suffering, faithful servant sets the Israelites and now us free from what we didn't think we needed to be freed from. The fact is, verse 4, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows, our sins that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. And so those pains, those disfigurements, those wounds, those weaknesses, those failures that he bore, it made us turn away from him, think little of him, and those were ours. Those were ours. And so we couldn't stand to look at him. We had to turn away because we couldn't stand to see our exposed selves as the Church gossip, whereas the church disunifier, whereas the church hypocrite. Do you know what I mean when I use the word hypocrite, and when I say the church hypocrite, the church—it's—it's it's folks that come here on a Sunday and go, yay, yay. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Hey, good message, Pastor Dave or Jenna or Lindsey. And then we go out there and live like hell. I have a question to ask you. If, If you invited Jesus to spend a week with you at work, whether you run the business Or whether you are an employee, what would be Jesus' experience for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ? What would be Jesus' experience if those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ would invite Jesus, hey, spend a week with us as a family? What would be Jesus' experience? Get my point? God's, God's suffering faithful servant was not suffering with us. No, no. He was suffering for us so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sin, for our nonsense. Are you guys following me here? Continuing verse five. Because of our sin, he was Pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. The Hebrew words used here, pierced and crushed, to describe what our sins did to God's faithful servant, represent the most violent and excruciating death in the Hebrew language. So what I'd like you to do, this word crushed, I'll have you do something in a second. This word crushed literally means broken and pulverized into pieces. So I'd like you to take that, that package of crackers that were, were given to you, these saltines, and do your best not to explode them. But here's the deal. As we sit in silence, I want us to sit in silence and think about his body was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was broken and pulverized. All I want to hear is you cracking and pulverizing and breaking these crackers. My friends, Jesus Christ was crushed for you so that you wouldn't have to suffer, so that we wouldn't have to suffer for our sins. What I'd like you to do with this package of crushed, pulverized saltines, well, right now I want you to put it in your pocket or in your purse, but I want you, when you get home, I want you to set it somewhere where you see it, where it's visible, maybe on your table, you can have conversation as a family, maybe in your car, Because maybe in your car, that's where you get out of control. Maybe you need to put it in your workplace. Because that's where you have a tendency not to act like the one who saved you. Are you guys following me here? And just keep it there. Just look at it. And remember. What what did it at that point in time, in the New Testament times, what did it look like to be pierced and crushed? Well, it looked like this. Hunter, he took that one for you. John, he took this next one for you. Mike, he took this next one. He took it for you, man. He took them, he took those lashes, he took those, he, he was crushed for, for you, for me. So we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sin. So we wouldn't have to suffer and die for our sin. The reality, as we're told in verse 5, is he was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Why? I always like to ask the why question. We'll get to how in the how in a few verses. But why? Why did God's servant have to suffer this way for us to be made whole and healed? Well, that's because this is how serious God takes sin. It is following our own path instead of the godly path. And when we do that, we break relationship with God. hmm And and when that happens, a sacrifice has to be made, blood has to be shed in order for our relationship with God and with each other to be restored. It's just the way God created, just the way God set things up. Just when we decide to go our own way, God just, this is what's going to have to happen for relationship to be restored. And I'll talk about the how in a few verses. This is the price that had to be paid for our lying. Any liars in here? I'm glad we have some honest people. I'm glad that you liar. Oh, we liars are honest. That was the price that had to be paid for your cheating on your taxes or on a test or on your spouse. That was the price that had to be paid for us stealing from our employer. That was the price that had to be paid for our inappropriate sex. It's the price that had to be paid for our hatred, our bitterness, our rage, our violent, murdering tongue. It's the price that had to be paid for our pride, for our gossiping, for our hypocrisy, for our selfishness, our sin, our decision to follow our own way, break relationship with God. Instead of following God's, it's our sin. That is why God's faithful servant had to suffer and die for us so that we would not have to. Are you guys following me this morning? Continuing in verse 6, Isaiah says this, all of us, that's every single one, one of us sitting here or watching online, all of us, like sheep, so we're being analogized to sheep. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. So what are sheep? Sheep are notoriously single-minded creatures. Focused, single-minded. And at the same time, they get, they get lost in their circumstances, right? They're unaware of them. And so, so they have this focus. They're just focused on the next clump of grass and nothing else. And when they get frightened, they have this tendency to bolt in any direction. So because of these t- two tendencies, that is, they're just focused on the next clump of grass and nothing else, and something scares them, they just, they just, they just run any, any which way. Because of those tendencies, sheep are prone to get lost. Like sheep, we have a tendency, if we're honest, and we'll admit it, we have a tendency to live life from purchase to purchase that is from grass clump to grass clump we have a tendency to 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 have our minds just focused on that next step in the corporate ladder whatever you want whatever term you want to use then then the next the next toy the the next status symbol, like a better car, a better house, a better spouse. Our minds have this tendency to focus on the next, the next rung of the American dream. And therefore, we, we have this tendency to get lost in ourselves. Life becomes about me, myself, and I. And as a result, continuing verse six, we have left God's paths to follow our me, myself, and my path, our own path. And we don't even think of the eternal consequences of doing so. Our choice to go our own way, to break relationship with God and become our own God, thinking that we know what's best for me, for us, our choice to to do that falls on God's servant which is the only way that our hero can save us from ourselves by taking our sin on himself. Continuing in verse 7, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. This is how God's servant responded to his predicament. This is how God's servant played his role in God's rescue story. The story to rescue, to save us. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He willingly submitted and embraced, again, his role in God's rescue story, to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins. Verse 8: unjustly condemned. Why unjustly condemned? Because he didn't do anything wrong. He was led away. And I wonder as he was led away, I wonder if anyone really understood what was happening here. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people, that is for our sins. He had done no wrong. And had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Think of the irony of that. He was buried like those he came to save. Verse 10, but it was the Lord's good plan. Good for us. Okay. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. And cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and his many followers. Which then raises the question of how, how? How are we made whole and healed by God's faithful servant suffering and dying for us? How are we made whole and healed by Jesus taking a beating for us? How does that happen? Well, let me just take a step back and just remind, let's just remind you that God created everything to live in right relationship with each other. I mean, we were created to live in right relationship with God and with each other and with our surrounding world. In order for that relationship to have any integrity, any value, any meaning, God gave us, human beings, that choice of whether or not we're going to live in right relationship with God and with each other. Unfortunately, like Adam and Eve, we, we chose to go our own way. We chose human autonomy and independence from God because we believe that we know what's best for us. And that broke relationship and that going our own way always leads to death. Always death in brokenness, always. In order to save us from that, God says, well, a price is going to have to be, something else is going to have to substitute in and and pay the price for your sin. And in the Old Testament, God had the Israelites bring these sin sacrifices to God's altar. And it couldn't just be animals, it couldn't just be any animal, it had to be an unblemished animal, the best they had. Now when we're talking about Isaiah's talking about here, oh, that's going to stop. Because God's servant, if you haven't guessed by now Jesus Christ is fully God. He's without sin, perfect, unblemished. And not only is Jesus Christ fully God, but Jesus Christ is always is also fully man. Which means that he experienced, he came to us like a little baby and grew. He came to us, God did, and the person Jesus Christ. And so Jesus experienced everything that we've experienced in life fun, joy, laughter, but also pains and loss and grief and betrayal and temptation. But Jesus always submitted to the will of the Father, being fully God. Sinless, perfect, unblemished, being human. So real, real person who can feel real pain, who can now represent us because he's experienced everything that we've experienced. Jesus Christ being fully God, fully, fully man, fully human. He could substitute himself for us and pay the price for our. Sin, so we wouldn't have to suffer and die for our sin. Are you guys following me this morning? This was a substitutionary sacrifice, his life for our life, so we could have life forever. Are you guys with me? This, 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 this sacrifice, this. this this life that we get to have is is all again about so that we can live in right relationship with God and with each other. And And so Isaiah continues in verse 10, he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands, that is in his servant's hands in through his willing, humble, voluntary sacrifice for us. And then if we will receive it except Christ's sacrifice for us, his saving grace, if we allow ourselves to be saved and rescued by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then God uses us to go out there and partner with God to bring other people back into this wonderful love relationship with God. Are you following me? And how do we do that? Well, we do that like Jesus did. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 23, If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must, they must deny themselves pick up their cross and follow me. That is, we follow Jesus' example. We die to self, pick up our cross, and then follow the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, loving our neighbor, which includes our enemy as ourselves, and then teaching others to do the same. So we begin to live a God-focused and others-focused life, and God uses us to help other people experience God's saving, transforming, empowering grace so that they can experience the blessings of living God's way and in God's kingdom. Are you guys following me this morning? God saves us. That's not to save us, but he saves us to then use us to save the world. Are you with me? Verse 11, when he, that is God's suffering servant, sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many, that's all of us, to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins, that is, our sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels, that is, among the sinners. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels, that is, he bore the sins of every sinner. He bore all of our sins. Simply put, the hero of our story, Jesus Christ, he took a, and he took a beating for us. And he was ripped and torn apart for us. And his body was, it was broken. It was crushed. It was pulverized for us. And then he died for us. This is how much God's suffering, faithful servant loves us. As we're told in 1 John 3, 16, he laid down his life for us. When we were utterly helpless, the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, helpless. We can't save ourselves. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone may perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is, while we were still messed up. While we were still yucky. Yucky. Doing things that hurt people. Are you with me? Hear me. Jesus Christ took our place. He suffered for us. He died for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer and die for our sins. And then what did he do? He rose victorious over sin and death so that we could live in Christ's victory. When Jesus saves us, Jesus puts his spirit in us. We actually have Christ in us. And just like Jesus Christ could say no to sin and yes to God in all things while he was on this earth, because we now have Christ in us, we also have the power to say no to sin and yes to God in all things. Are you guys with me? I mean, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to be that way anymore. Come on. Yeah. All because God loves us this much as Jesus tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him and that word believes in this is Whoever just gives him their complete allegiance, say, God, you got me. You're my, you're my Lord and Savior. Take me. Use me as you see fit. Will not perish. That is, will not be separated from God forever. That's what we call hell. But instead, we'll have eternal life. That is, we'll, we'll begin to live in right relationship with God and everyone else in our sphere of influence forever. That's called heaven, and that can begin right here, right now, today. And your life will never be the same. Are you guys following me here? Is there anybody here today who needs a hero, who needs a savior to free you from whatever prison you may be living in? Does anybody here today need a hero savior who's going to give you new life with new hope and new purpose? I want you to sit on that question. I want to talk about this from three different categories before we close. Begin the message by saying, you know, those who are in need of a hero are those who are suffering, struggling, hurting. Bad way. So some of us here today, man, we're experiencing hell on earth. We're experiencing the consequences of our sin, and we know that, man, our life, man, our life sucks right now. And so we know we need something to happen. We need a here, we need a save. We, We don't know how to get ourselves out of this mess. Some of us are there. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ, God's faithful suffering servants, wants to save you today. Wants to rescue you today. Wants you to pull you out of that prison and free you today. Some of us may I don't know, I've never even been to church before. I just came because someone invited me and you know, I, I've never even heard, heard this stuff before. That's you. I just want you to sit with this. That your creator, yes, we all have one. This God who created you loves you this much and wants to give you the life that God has created you to live with so much hope and promise and joy and peace and if you're wrestling with anything, you don't even know. I don't, I'm not even sure, Pastor Dave, what this all means. I'm just asking you to trust your yes to the one who died for you and rose victorious so that you can live a different way. Okay? And then the last kind of people that I want to talk to, look at it this way from a category perspective, is where I was living for a long time. I want to talk to the hypocrite here who comes to church, like I did, and just go, yay, yay, Jesus. Good message, pastor. Oh, yeah, isn't God good? Woo! And then I go out there and I live like hell. I defamed the name. I received God's forgiveness of sins once, so I'm good, I'm a one and dunner. doesn't work that way. Let me remind you of Matthew chapter seven. Read it if you'd like. I'm talking to people who know the word here, so you know where that is, New Testament. But I wanna focus you in on one verse, Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And that one just puts a chill on me when I'd sit and I'd listen to that. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, what? Who does the will of my Father. So true repentance always brings evidence with it. That is a change of behavior. Jesus now lives in me, and so I act like Jesus in my workplace, in my home environment, in my neighborhood. Are you guys with me? I was a church hypocrite. I was on the path to hell. And I was experiencing hell on earth. Just ask Kristen. I'm here to tell you today, if, you, if you're there, that God's faithful suffering servant, Jesus Christ, wants to save you, wants to rescue you, wants to pull you out of that prison give you new life, new hope, new meaning, new purpose. I want you to live the way that God created you to live. God wants to give you this grace of the purity of heart, new hearts that has a heart desire after God, not after sin. Are you guys with me? So if you guys wouldn't mind just bowing your heads and closing your eyes with me, I just want to ask a question. If anybody here this morning wants to be rescued, wants to be freed from any prison. Maybe you're following, (laughs) but man, goodness alive, why do I keep doing certain things that are ungodly? Maybe you just haven't experienced the grace of the purity of heart of God, just breathing God's spirit into you. Maybe you just want a new heart. God, give me that new heart. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to be freed from, whatever prison you're in, if there's anybody here who wants to be saved, rescued, freed, empowered by God's faithful, suffering servant, Jesus Christ, just, just raise your hand up and, and tell, them, tell them that. And I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not a weird. I just want to know because I, I, I want to I pray over you. I see, I see your hand. Is there anybody here who wants to, I see your hands. Anybody here wants to experience the freedom, power of the Holy Spirit? Anybody here who wants to just receive the the grace of the forgiveness of sins? Okay, I see your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anybody else? Oh, begin this wild, life-giving adventure with the God who created you. Will you pray with me? Just pray with me. God, man, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the nonsense in my life. I'm sorry for all the people that have hurt the the nonsense things, the the evil things I've done, God. Please forgive me for that. Please make me whole. Please heal me. God, for some of us, we, we, we may be walking with you, but some ways yes sometimes no i mean i'm just done with the hypocrisy god just just confess it we're done with hypocrisy you got my heart give me a new one come on god pour your spirit into me give me a heart bent that's after you and stop stop all just stop living for myself me myself and i god please give me a heart after you do your work in me i want to be rescued from all the nonsense in my life god i just give you my complete allegiance here i am you're gonna take one step at a time, continue to do your work in me as I live and breathe and then use me however you see fit in the life-giving, powerful, transforming name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray and ask, amen. For those of you who, who may have rose, r- raised your hand, I'm just asking you to do a favor. Would you mind sending me an email? danderson at hillchurch.com. D stands for David, just danderson at hillchurch.com. Why? Because I want to go to battle for you in prayer. I have this, some, some people that know me, I have this prayer wall in my, in my office. It's a chalk wall. And I, I just write people's names on there who want me to go to battle in prayer for them. If you want me to go to battle, just, just send me an email, danderson at hillchurch.com. And I want to pray that God continues to do God's work in your life one of us one of us pastors probably will follow up with you because we want to journey with you are you guys with me shoot me an email so that